so just in that vein, I want to share this morning in this message time on the subject of worship yeah, and uh, how important that is for, uh, for our lives. How many know that it's a big deal, yeah. right? It's really, really important. The Bible says we've got no screens this morning. And I think I saw from the drummy thing, we forgot to hand out the lyrics as well, but we got there in the end. But the Bible says that we actually were created for worship. Uh, we were made by God, Colossians 1.16, and we were made for Him, for His glory. It, it says in other places, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that we have been chosen so that we may declare His praise. And so worship is a, is a really big deal. We've made a lot of things, for good reason, inside the church a priority. Uh, and good things, evangelism and uh, missions or praying, praying for the sick and ministry to the poor, feeding people. Those things are absolutely necessary and, and important. But I just want to kind of let you know, remind us all today that our greatest ministry call in the first instance is our ministry to the Lord. It's the, it's the ability to worship his name and, and, and bless him and create that altar in our lives. John Piper, he's a pastor in the United States, he wrote a book called Let the Nations Be Glad. And he says this in that book, quote, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate. In other words, where worship is absent, where it is missing from a community, Missions is needed, right? Evangelism is needed. Where there is an absence of worship going up unto the Lord from a people or a place where, where hearts are disconnected from God, it's the purpose of evangelism or missions to essentially go into that place and see worship established. And so wherever worship towards God is silent, we are called to reach into those places. And Psalm 96 verse 3 says... Uh, tells us to declare his glory among the nations. That's our mandate as, as believers. Uh, John Piper in this book, he goes on to say, churches that are not centered on the exaltation of the majesty and beauty of God will scarcely kindle a fervent desire to declare his glory among the nations. So we've got to get this thing, the first thing, the most important thing right. The bringing of praises, the blessing of his name it's the fuel it's the it's the it's an end in itself and it's the point of everything else we get to do you know what our ministry to the lord trumps everything else and because when the flame of worship burns in our hearts and hear me i'm not just talking about our sunday morning when we have a happy clappy time right i'm talking about the attitude the position of our heart the posture of our heart is it towards him are we blessing his name it, it, it trumps everything else. And, and, and so then the passion for other things, missions, evangelism, ministering to the sick, representing him well in, in your workplace, uh, the, the, the passion to have family really, really good, uh, you know, marriages, it comes from this place. Worship is an end in itself, but it's also the fire that keeps everything else going in our lives. It's the foundation. It's the catalyst. And it's, listen, it's the greatest thing we'll ever get to do is worship our Creator. You know, think about it. Our, our ministry to God is actually the only thing that will continue when we come to the end of the age. 
You know, we, when we exit planet Earth, however that pans out, right? When the time's up and God, God steps on the stage and says, hey, the show's over. It's time to shut up shop. Of all the things that we do for him in, in terms of evangelism and missions, they'll, they'll cease, right? They're just temporary necessities. Because guess what? There's no place for praying for the sick in heaven, right? Because there's no sickness. <laughs> there's, there's no need for evangelism because no one needs saving. There's no mission trips going out from the pearly gates, right, in heaven. You're following me this morning. But listen, the only thing that will carry on in heaven that we're called to do now on earth is worship. It is, is to worship Him. Revelation 4, 8 gives us a glimpse into what's going on in heaven right now. And we're kind of trying to model or mirror that this morning. It says in Revelation 4, 8, day and night, speaking about the angels in heaven, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Daniel 7 verse 10 says, a thousand thousands minister to him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Doing what? Worshipping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Ministering to him. Blessing his name. Giving worship to the one who is worthy of, of our praise. And not just because of what he's done for us. That's good. Thanks be to God for that. But because of who he is. Because he's God. And he's amazing. And, and awesome. The psalmist cries out, you alone are worthy of praise, of honor and glory. Jesus said, if we won't praise him, then the rocks will cry out and do it instead. Worship, we, we, it's in our nature. It's, we, are, we are living, breathing beings. God has put eternity in our hearts. We were created to praise and worship our maker. When we, when we kind of get that disconnected, guess what? We begin to worship other things. We begin to worship ourselves. We begin to make other gods. We begin to put other things exalting above who we're supposed to be lifting our praises to. We are to thank him, yes, for what he's done. But there is a place, a priority, and I believe a precedence to realize our greatest privilege as believers is to minister to him, period. Yeah. Just, just, that's enough, just to give him our praise. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of the time, we can even make that about ourselves. We can make worship about us and about how we feel. And what, what we want to do, you know, we can be quite me focused. We do it all the time. We, we worship God until we feel better, right? You know, we just worship it. Oh, now I feel good. Sweet. I'll stop. I'll stop that now. Or we worship, we worship him until he touches us. Or, you know, I really felt the Lord in that one. That was great. You know, it was never supposed to be about you. And somehow we managed to subtly make it about what we can get from him, not what we can give to him. I've, I've shared this, this story, I think, before. I was sitting in the car at the warehouse a few years ago. I think Caroline or someone was going in, and I just have a dislike for shops, anything retail. I just, so I was in the car, and I was just waiting, and, and they were taking ages. And I noticed this young, young boy, he walked up to the doors, he took off his cap, and he laid his cap on the ground outside the warehouse, and he just started to sing really loud 
And I'm like, wow, it's kind of a, a pop-up busker. And he sung for about two or three minutes, unaccompanied, no guitar, nothing, you know, just started singing. And until somebody eventually threw in some coins into his hat. And I'm like, oh, well done, mate. And then, and then the guy who put the coins in walked into the store and the boy stopped singing, looked down at the cap, took the money out, put the cap on his head and then walked into the warehouse. He's like, done, sweet, gonna get me some lollies, all sorted. <laughs> And, and, and that was it. Just kind of like, well, man, that was, that was a clever, clever move there. And do you know what? Sometimes in our pursuit of the presence of God, our pursuit of, of Him, you know, our motivation is like the guy busking. What can I get out of this? I'm just going to just get something before, before I do anything. Even notice like, how much more praying you do when you're desperate, when you need something. Right, like God, earnestly I seek you. I can really, really earnestly, you know, because I have that job interview tomorrow. (laughs) Like it's one of the great ironies that we even make our worship unto Him about us, about about what we need. Like, how do we do that? And if you've done that, give yourself a. Actually, no, don't do that. He's worthy of worship simply because He's God. Uh, Job said. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be his name. In other words, when the chips are up or the chips are down, I'm going to keep on praising him. I'm going to have the attitude of my heart fixed toward him as the, as the author, as the perfecter, as the finisher of my faith. I'm going to keep my mind focused on God and his goodness and, and who he is. He's, he's worthy regardless of what is going on in my life. Worthy of praise. Regardless of my needs or my feelings or my circumstance, regardless of what he is or isn't apparently doing in your life, he's still worthy of your praise. It doesn't change the fact that he's God and he still deserves the glory. So guess what? We don't worship God until anything. You know, worship him until something happens and until I feel his peace, until I am helped. I mean, that's helpful. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but we don't actually we shouldn't worship God until we should worship God because because he is God. Right. Because he is worthy of that, because he he's God. Why don't why don't the the team come back? And I know that includes me, but I'll, I'll be there in a second. I thought we could finish this morning by just worshiping having a time of worship as we as a church whanau look to establish an altar of worship in this place from this faith community and i believe our worship even in our expression of it in singing which we're about to do and you know i'm not talking about just this time but all of our lives but It is more than just personally giving our praises to the Lord. But I believe when we are together, when we are together in one place with one heart and one mind and one spirit giving our praises to God, friends, something happens in the atmosphere, not just in a room. We could be anywhere, but something happens when we begin to release the praises of God in a community. And in a city. And guess what happens when believers all over the nation begin to worship God with one voice and one heart. The praises of God are released into the atmosphere of that place. And we get to make declarations about who He is. 
prophetic declarations about God, about His goodness, about His love and His mercy and His grace and His forgiveness and what He's done in our lives. We get to do something and friends, something begins to shift when we make it a priority to establish an altar of worship in a place where people will gather and people will give Him their praise. We thank you, God, for your responding when we draw near to you. God establishes the priestly ministry of worship. You can stand. That's fine. I'll be just a couple of seconds. And we read right throughout the Bible, beginning from the pages of Exodus, where Aaron and his brothers were set apart to minister to the Lord as priests. They were called Levites. They were set apart. They were consecrated for the Lord. And right throughout the Old Testament, through David's tabernacle, where we read in the Psalms, there was established 24-7 worship where thousands of musicians and singers, apparently for like 33 years in this strange time in the Old Testament, never stopped giving Him praises and worship. And we read two particular passages I just want to give to you before we begin to do that ourselves. In the book of Malachi, Malachi 1 verse 11, Malachi 1, 1, 1. It says, from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name, God says, shall be great among the nations. This is a prophetic word thousands of years ago spoken about this time. Malachi 1, 1, 1. In the book of Amos, chapter 9, verse 11. Amos 9, 1, 1. It says, On that day, speaking about this day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages, and I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Two passages speaking about the church today, I believe, and worship that is established. Worship where worshipers would seek God in spirit and in truth. And it's interesting that they're found in Malachi 1.1.1 and Amos 9.1.1, numbers today that represent an emergency, right? And I believe there is an urgency today to establish altars of worship wherever we are. And for us today, it's Tahunanui. It's calling us to this place, not to get our own needs met, right? Not to be blessed ourselves, but to bless the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. To minister to Him. To minister to Him. I'm nearly finished. I'm nearly done. Nearly done. Thanks, man. I've heard worship defined as this. Worship is an obedient response to the revealed nature, character, and majesty of God. It is an obedient response. In other words, not when I feel like it, not when it's super convenient, but an obedient response to what? The revealed nature, character, and majesty of God. And as we worship, we are blessing His name. We are ministering to God. And listen, the more we understand about who He is, the more we understand about what He has done, the more 
that we allow him to renew and reshape and remold our minds and our thinking. And then the more we're able to better worship and minister to him. Right, The more we draw closer to Him, the more we want to worship Him. The more that obedient response just comes flowing out of our lives. It's like this never-ending cycle of recognizing He is worthy. He is worthy. He's worthy. I want to, I just, I've got to finish with this. I just want to read Psalm 145. And then we're going to sing. And it's the last song in your booklets. Sounds very Anglican, doesn't it? This last song is called Here I Am, and it was written about two weeks ago by our worship team about what we're feeling and sensing God doing. And Nikita and Mark have written the lyrics to that. I just thought it would be apt, appropriate to sing a song that's been birthed out of this house, in this place, as we begin to establish the altar of worship in the place where he's calling us to. Let me read Psalm 145. I think I might have. I will extol you, my God, O King. Why don't we stand if you're not already? And I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over all His works. All of your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all of His ways, gracious in all of His works. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He will satisfy and fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love Him. The wicked He destroys, but my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and all of my flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Thank you, God. We bless you. Come on, let's lift up. Let's lift up our voices. We bless you, Jesus.